You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Tuesday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and I'm excited to be dropping another show today. And first off, I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to today's show. I appreciate each and every one of you. It is crazy how much this show has grown. I've been doing this for almost three years to this point, and uh, it's amazing every single day, and I, I truly appreciate all of you listening in. On today's show, though, we are going to be talking some football. We had two Iowa Hawkeyes win the Super Bowl on Sunday evening. I didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday because I recorded before the Super Bowl. I knew better than to try and record after the Super Bowl. We also have two women winning Big Ten awards for this week which we'll be talking about. And then we're going to break down the Iowa football schedule. And then on segment two and three, we're going to get heavy into that basketball talk. I know there's been a lot of talk about the Fran fade. I want to show you some statistics about the Fran fade and what it means. Also giving you a little bit of a reason as to where Fran stands in the history of Iowa basketball. Is this as good as it gets? Could be. I'll talk about that on segment three. On segment two, we're going to talk about the defense and where Iowa's defense stands historically under Fran McCaffrey and what it means for their tournament hopes. That's all coming up on the show today. Again, if you like the show, if you love the show, if you've listened to it before and you haven't done this already, please make sure to like, review, and subscribe. And obviously, give us that five-star review if you like it. And then follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm most active on Twitter, somewhat active on Instagram. Facebook can be a little bit interesting. I'm, I'm not as active there, but please follow us wherever you do have a social media account. We've much appreciated it. As far as Iowa football goes, we had four Iowa football players in the Super Bowl on Sunday. Tristan Wirfs, Anthony Nelson, and linebackers Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman for the Kansas City Chiefs. All these Iowa Hawkeyes showed out pretty well. Anthony Nelson had one tackle and one quarterback hurry. Anthony Hitchens, one tackle, one pass defended. Ben Neiman, nine tackles. And Tristan Wirfs graded out as the highest graded offensive player with a 91.7 grade according to PFF. He just put together one of the most impressive rookie seasons a tackle has ever had in NFL history allowed one sack in over 700 snaps it's pretty darn crazy to think about what he would have done had he returned to school I mean this guy's dominating the NFL imagine if he would return to school always fun to think about but again congratulations to Tristan Wirfs and Anthony Nelson for their Super Bowl victory both young players um, experiencing the ultimate the ultimate goal in the NFL also, before we get into the schedule talk, wanted to give a congratulations to Caitlin Clark for winning another Big Ten Freshman of the Week award. I believe she has one more before she actually sets the record or at least ties the record. And then Lauren Gurren on the women's gymnastics team got Big Ten Event Specialist Player of the Week for Big Ten Gymnastics. She had a floor exercise victory with a career-high score of 9.95 and helped Iowa to its highest team score in almost 17 years. So congratulations, Caitlin and Lauren. Awesome stuff all around for Iowa sports. Now we talked a little bit about the schedule yesterday, but I didn't get a chance to break it down game by game. And that's what I want to do on the show today because there is, I truly think Iowa's ranked in, by some accounts in the top 10. Uh, mostly you're seeing Iowa somewhere in that top 25 from a football team perspective next year. Now they do lose some decent players. They lose some help along the offensive line. They lose their two starting wide receivers. 
And they again replace three starting defensive linemen and Nick Neiman. That's a lot. But for a program like Iowa where they do build their program, right? They they develop, they recruit well, and they develop. There is always hope for a strong performance. And I think it always starts and stops with the quarterback position. And specifically, Spencer Petras, can he pull it together this year? Can he improve upon what we saw last year, which there were some glimpses of good quarterback play. There's also some very, very negative glimpses as well, but can he improve? That will be the key to me. I'm not as worried. I mean, losing a burner like Amir Smith-Marset is always a huge loss. Losing a guy who can go up for jump balls like Brandon Smith is always a huge loss. And never, you cannot underestimate the loss of a an All-American like Davia Nixon or a, a future NFL player like Chauncey Golson and, and obviously Jack Heflin. Those are big losses. But Iowa returns a stacked secondary, a very high potential linebacker group, a very good offensive line led by Tyler Linderbaum. And there's a lot. I mean, Iowa has been recruiting offensive line very well the last couple of years. So there's guys waiting in the wings here. And then again, wide receiver, we have a, a good young wide receiver group. And then at running back, we have... You know, big all Big Ten, Tyler Goodson. So there's a lot of hope for this team. So I look at this schedule. To me, there's some interesting parts where I think, oh my gosh, this this could be bad. And also, oh my gosh, this could be good. It starts with Indiana, though. And Indiana is a very sneaky team, a team that's also getting a lot of hype, returning a lot of players, including, you know, a guy who was a dark horse for the Heisman early on in the season. Indiana's Michael Penix Jr. Indiana's going to be tough, but at least Iowa gets them at Kinnick. What I'm concerned about is that first game is always sloppy, especially for Iowa. They do not do a good job of starting that strong. So when you get Big Ten play that early on, you got to worry at least a little bit. And I, I am worried. I'm worried about playing a team like Indiana early on in the season. You do not want to come out of the gate slow, and especially when you get Iowa State on the road the following week. That is just not ideal for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And so, for me, I, I mean, we're looking at the schedule, and I, I think there's a chance Iowa could start 0-2. I hate to say it, but it's it's what I believe. I think there's a chance Iowa, a very good chance, Iowa could start 0-2 for this season. Now, I might get some hate for that, and I understand that I'm just being realistic about it. Iowa just doesn't start off typically very strong. They take a li- like a half to get going usually, even against inferior opponents. Now they're facing a top team like Indiana who returns a significant amount of starters. That's going to be an advantage for Indiana. However, I'm going to predict a win. That's at Kinnick. Given everything going on, I believe it's going to be probably a packed stadium. At, I mean, I would I would think at least at 50%. People are going to be ready to go. People are, I mean, this Iowa Hawkeye team is going to be hyped up. You gotta you gotta take into account the fact this Kinnick Stadium is going to be freaking bumping on September 4th. So I'm going to give Indiana that win there. Iowa State. This is going to be arguably the best Iowa State team Iowa has faced under Kirk Ferentz, and it pains me to say this, but I do feel like this would be a loss for Iowa. Now, Iowa sitting at 1-1. One one. We go to we get Kent State and Colorado State back-to-back. Those should be wins. Maryland, they had ups and downs. Um, obviously, having Tua's little brother is always a benefit. Iowa can sometimes struggle against you know some scrambling quarterbacks, but I believe this linebacker crew is more athletic than what we've seen in the past um, and very instinctual as well. So, to me, I think Maryland on the road should be a – uh, a relatively easy win for the Hawks. That means they're currently starting out at 4-1 and one with two wins in the Big Ten. They get Penn State at home. Again, Penn State, 
always a solid team. Um, always a tough out at home. I think they get that W. I think they also get that W versus Purdue. And that is probably the toughest one. Purdue always does a fantastic job of airing the ball out against Iowa. But this secondary, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take some pride in the secondary. I'm gonna give some benefit of the doubt to this Iowa secondary. I believe they get that W against Purdue. They have a bye week before heading into Wisconsin. Now I'm gonna pick that Wisconsin game as a win. And and here's why. I think, you know, Wisconsin is losing a few guys, but they have obviously Jalen Berger. They got Graham Mertz back. It's always a battle for that game. I believe Iowa takes that game with having that bye week right before that. I think that's a great opportunity for Iowa to get ready and take down Wisconsin. But I do believe they fall to Northwestern the following week. It's tough. If they were if they're gonna get up and they're gonna get ready for that Wisconsin game, get up hyped, it's tough to turn around and go again on the road to Northwestern, a team that always has Iowa's number. Um, we saw it this past year. They had Iowa's number. Um, I, I do worry about playing Northwestern. I think honestly you could look at Wisconsin or Northwestern and, and call that a loss. One of those two games. I think Purdue all also could be a sneaky loss. Then Iowa gets Minnesota and Illinois at home. I'm going to predict a win for both of those games. I I think Minnesota and what P.J. Fleck has done has been phenomenal, um, but I just do not see them matching up well against Iowa, especially after losing Rashad Bateman. And then at Nebraska, I think, is a W. So to me, I'm predicting – uh, I, I say the best record Iowa has is 10-2. and two. Obviously, all these games are winnable. There's not going to be a game they're outmatched in by any means. They're not getting Ohio State. They're not getting an Alabama, right? So I think Iowa, in theory, could be 12-0. But I think probably the max is 10-2. and two. I think the worst they could do is 8-4, and four, and that's it. They drop all three tough road games, Iowa State, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and lose either Penn State or Purdue. That's kind of my thoughts there as well. So I think the min is 8-4. The max is 10-2. Anything worse than 8-4 and four is a pretty bad season, in my opinion, for how talented this team is. Anything above uh, probably 9-3, and three, in my opinion, is, is a good Iowa season. It's something that we should be pretty excited about. That's my quick prediction on the Iowa football schedule. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are as well. Send those to me at LockedOnIowa on Twitter. Coming up on segment number 2 and 3, we're hopping in to some basketball talk like I talked about. Lots of, lots of interesting statistics I found when I was doing some deep diving into what to expect for this Iowa Hawkeye basketball squad this year, but I do have to tell you a little bit about an awesome company I found, and that is rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. I'm going to tell you a little story. It'll be quick. I went to the auto shop and wanted to get some stuff done on my car. They wanted to charge me over $200 to replace an engine air filter and a cabin air filter. I thought, I could probably change that myself. I go to the brick and mortar store. They wanted to charge me $70 for the parts. I thought, I'm going to check out rockauto.com. In just a few minutes, I was able to use their unique and remarkably easy-to-navigate catalog to find both the parts I needed for the prices I wanted at the low, low price of just $20. I saved 50 bucks by just going to rockauto.com, and I had it shipped directly to my door. That's right, rockauto.com saved me a ton of money, and they can save you a ton of money as well using their awesome catalog and their extensive catalog. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast at. And as I alluded to, we are turning our attention to basketball because there are definitely some interesting things I wanted to look at. Most notably, I want to talk about the defense. Is this as bad of a defense as we think it is? Short answer, yes it is. And then I want to talk about the Fran Fade and Fran McCaffrey in general. Is this the best Iowa can do from a basketball perspective? So let's talk a little bit about it, starting with the defense. So I looked up all the statistics for Iowa defensively since the first year Iowa was a competitive team under Fran McCaffrey that 2000. 12 to 2013 season when they went to the NIT. I thought that was important. I, you know, that was still a solid team. They got their stuff together late in that season, made it deep into the NIT and lost the NIT championship game. When I look at this though, I brought I broke it out by Ken Palm defensive adjusted efficiency, Ken Palm offensive adjusted efficiency, three-point defense, turnover percentage on defense, rebounding percentage on defense, and then obviously um, the record. So when I look at this, Iowa's Ken Palm defensive adjusted efficiency is 121 in the nation. And that is the third worst under Fran McCaffrey. The other two times that were worse were actually in two of the last three seasons. Last year, they had a 97 Ken Palm defensive adjusted efficiency. Before that, it was 111th. And before that, 242nd. Now, I'm not one to draw conclusions, but Fran McCaffrey's team has not always been this atrocious at defense. The years prior in 2016, 30th, 2015, 34th, 2014, 77th, and 2013, 24th. Now, to me, that says a lot about the players. So Fran McCaffrey's scheme can be complicated for opposing offenses. It's tough because they constantly switch it up. But when the players are not able to communicate and handle that, it can be a struggle. Now, I do believe with some of the bench guys Iowa has that will be starters in years to come, this defense will be significantly better. But the guys that Iowa has on the floor that allows them to have the best offense that Fran McCaffrey has ever had also means they're going to have one of the worst defenses. Points per game is also noticeably bad as well. 74.7 points per game allowed. That is the third worst in Fran McCaffrey's tenure here, at least in those first, you know, uh, under him being having a good team, right? Those first two years, I'm just taking away because they didn't matter. It was tough rebuilding that team after Licklider. But the only time they were worse was 2017 to 2018 and 2016 to 2017, where they allowed 78.7 points per game and 78.1 points per game. Now, three-point defense. This is going to be really frustrating because I think one of the things we're noticing is in the zone, Iowa doesn't communicate very well. They leave guys wide open. Guys who aren't having great years shooting the ball, have historical performances against Iowa. We've seen it time and time again. Bad teams shoot well against Iowa. And the statistics show that Iowa has their second worst three-point defense under Fran McCaffrey this year, allowing a ridiculous clip. And they are 254th in the nation with three-point percentage allowed. The only time they were worse was back in 2018 when they had a 307th ranked three-point defense. Turnover percentage, also second worst in Fran McCaffrey era 288th rebounding percentage third worst in the Fran McCaffrey era 285th now turnovers can be a little bit interesting because it's not you know it's about playing good defense about jumping into the passing lanes now naturally when Iowa has such bad three-point defense it also is a 
a testament to probably some bad perimeter defense, which we've seen time and time again. Rebounding percentage, Iowa allows a lot of three-point shots. Some of those balls can fall pretty weird and are going to be tough for Iowa to rebound. So that is part of it, but another part of it is hustle. We've seen that game in and game out. Sometimes Iowa just isn't hustling for those loose balls, whereas the other teams are. They're trying to get those balls. Iowa is not. So to me, it is. D defense is just as bad as we are seeing it. Now, one thing I did notice that I thought was really interesting was luck rating, and that is something Kempom uses to kind of determine how how far away from the mean is, is this team at, right? So if they should be 10 and 0 and they're 5 and 5 and it's because balls have kind of gone a weird way or teams have shot ridiculously well in certain situations that's luck rating so really um how bad of luck or how good of luck are you having in terms of your schedule? Are you better than you're projected to be or are you worse than you're projected to be? Iowa is 309th in luck rating, which is the worst in the top 35 of Kempom. That was something I thought was really interesting. But again, this defense is historically bad, even under Fran McCaffrey. Now, I thought what I wanted to do after that was take a look at, is this team, can this defense still get the Iowa Hawkeyes to a Final Four? Now, I know after losing two straight for the last five, we're probably not thinking Final Four. Heck, I even talked about it on the last show. I think Iowa is a Sweet 16 team. And that's if they don't get a bad draw if they are a five seed, get a bad or get a really good shooting 12 seed. So um, that's, that's, that's still, even if they get the right matchups, they make the sweet 16. But I looked at the final four because I was just interested. What were the worst teams in the final four from a defensive adjusted efficiency? Now, last year we didn't have a tournament, but I looked at the last seven years, 2019, Auburn was 36. All other teams were in the top 10. 2018, Kansas was 47th. All other teams were in the top 20. 2017, Oregon was 17th. 2016, North Carolina was 21st. 2015, Wisconsin was 35th. 2014, Kentucky was 32nd. 2013, Michigan was 37th. Iowa has a long ways to go. Even in their best season, 2013, from a defensive perspective, they were 24th. Now that team still wouldn't be that great for a final four team from a defensive adjusted efficiency perspective. So Iowa needs to improve defensively because, and I think that's part of the reason that I'm going to get into this Fran fade talk here in a second, but defense Defense holds you accountable in those late season games. When you don't have the legs under you, when you're not able to shoot the ball well, defense is what holds you in games, and that's one of the reasons why Iowa struggles late in the season, in my personal opinion. Big Ten games can be physical. Offense is not going to always be that easy, and defensively, you need to be able to bring it, and Iowa just cannot do it. That's my thoughts on the defense, how bad it is. Again, you look across the board in the Fran McCaffrey era, this is one of the worst defensive teams they've ever, Fran McCaffrey's ever had. So um, pretty ridiculous, in my opinion, that we have a veteran squad who can't figure it out, especially when you're playing zone. You're trying to help your team out not get into foul trouble nearly as much. Um, obviously, you're going to allow some open shots here and there, but the communication is is huge, and it's been bad, and Iowa has left a lot of open shooters, and I know they don't have the athletes to typically match up in a man-to-man defense, but I think you need to start putting that in there a little bit and relying on your interior defense of Jack Nungy and Luka Garza to hold guys accountable and redirect shots. That's just my thoughts though. What do I know? I am not Fran McCaffrey or a head basketball coach. Coming up on segment number three though, we're going to get into that Fran fade talk and also is this the best Iowa can do? You'll be surprised to hear that answer all coming up on segment number three of the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast. Before we get into that though, 
you know I got to tell you about the one site that has me covered, the one site I trust, and the one site you should go to for all of your betting needs, and that is betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And when you get in on the action, sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. That's right, money in your pocket immediately. Just go into betonline.ag, put a little bit of money down to put a little bit more money in your pocket. There's so many sports going on. I know the Super Bowl ended, but we still have the NBA. We got the NHL, and we got college basketball. Why not put some money in your pocket by going to betonline.ag and using that promo code locked on for that 50% welcome bonus? Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to Locked On Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast at. And speaking of basketball, let's turn our attention to the Fran Fade with this Iowa Hawkeye squad. There's been a lot of statistics being thrown out there, and I want to thank Scott Docterman of The Athletic to put together one statistic that helped me um, kind of spearheaded my thoughts on this. So I went a lot deeper into it, but he pointed out that since 2014, Iowa is 24-30 and 30 after February 16th, which is a 44% winning percentage. February 1st to February 15th, Iowa is 14-12, and 12, which is a 54% winning percentage, basically saying Iowa typically doesn't start struggling this early on in the season. Now, I took that a couple steps deeper. I looked at Iowa's winning percentage overall, their non-conference winning percentage, and their conference winning percentage in comparison to some of these items. And what I found was quite interesting, especially if you remove that 2018 season where Iowa was just absolutely atrocious. After February 16th, Iowa was still 45% from a winning percentage if you take out that 2018 season where they went 2-3. and three. February 1st to February 15th, Iowa was actually 14-8 and eight with a 63% win percentage. Now, I had a couple thoughts when I was going into this. I wanted to see, is it is it really a Fran fade, or is it the fact that the Big Ten is a tough conference and Iowa looks really good on paper coming into conference play because they play a, a relatively lackluster non-conference schedule typically year in and year out. So here's what I found, and I'm going to break it down for you. 2021, this year, Iowa had an 86% win percentage um, in non-conference, 68% overall, 58% in conference. Last year, 82% non-conference, 65% overall, 55% in conference. 2019, 87% non-conference, 66% overall, 50% conference. 2017, 56% non-conference, 56% overall, 55% conference. That was, and then the next year was kind of interesting too, actually. 2016, 67%, 67%, 67% across the board. 2015, non-conference, 63% overall, 65% conference, 67%. And 2014, 73% non-conference, 61% overall, and 50% conference. One of the things I noticed when I'm looking at this is the fact that Iowa has had a relatively easy non-conference schedule the past couple years, explaining a little bit about why their non-conference looks so good. But when you look at it on paper, there isn't much of a difference between non-conference and conference schedule across the board, um, especially when you take out some of those easier games from an Iowa perspective. But when you compare their conference record to that February 16th and beyond, it isn't that good. 45% compared to 58%, not ideal. 45% compared to 55%, not ideal. 
45% compared to 50%, not ideal. You look at it across the board, outside of that 2018 season, Iowa does struggle post-February 16th compared to the rest of their conference winning percentage. And it's also worth factoring in that conference winning percentage does factor in those games after February 16th. So likely, it's a bit higher than that even. So you can see that it's clear there is a fade, although... I'll be honest, it, it wasn't as drastic as I thought it was going to be. I was thinking in my head, mentally, when I look at the Fran Fabe, it you know it seems like the, the sky is falling and Iowa can't win a game. But 45% is just a, a notch below 522 and 27 if you take out that 2017-2018 season. If you add that season back in 24 and 30 after February 16th. February 1st to February 15th, that was a bit interesting to me, especially if you take out that 27 to 20, 2017 to 2018 season. They're at a 63% winning percentage. Now, that's actually better than most of Iowa's conference winning percentage. So, it looks to me that Iowa has done pretty darn well February 1st to February 15th. So to me, that begs the question, what is happening now? I go back to the defense. I go back to CJ Frederick being out. And I think Fran McCaffrey is struggling to figure out what are the right lineups to put on that court. And you wouldn't expect that to be a problem given the veteran presence of this Iowa basketball squad. But again, when I'm looking at it, the Fran fade is real when you look at the statistics. But we're just not used to seeing it as early as Scott Docterman has said on his Twitter account. Again, I went deeper into those metrics. I thought it was interesting in the fact that Iowa truly does drop about 20 20 20 percentage points when after they're playing after February 16th part of that is going to be tired legs part of that is it's it's a long season and a part of that is getting into Big Ten play but I thought that was interesting it wasn't as drastic as I thought it was but it is evident that there is a correlation between that that Iowa does struggle post that February 16th mark for the Iowa Hawkeyes so uh, honestly it could be getting worse here before it gets better but we have a Rutgers game tomorrow night we're going to be breaking that down now I also looked into Fran McCaffrey and you know, people are talking, people are starting to, to question, is Fran McCaffrey the guy for the Iowa Hawkeyes? I even talked about it on the show yesterday. Is Fran McCaffrey the guy? When you look at it historically, you're comparing him to Lute Olson, Steve Alford, and Tom Davis. And when you compare it to those guys, he actually is performing pretty well. In terms of tournament appearances, you got to factor in that he, they would have made the tournament last year. They will make the tournament this year. He has a 54% percentage of making the tournament. Tom Davis had a 61%, eight appearances in 13 years. Steve Alfred had 38%, three, three appearances in eight years. And Lute Olsen had a 33% winning percentage, three in nine. When you look at it from a ranking perspective, though, Fran McCaffrey doesn't really match up. Tom Davis, I'm going to try to go in order. Apologies. Fran McCaffrey, two times ranked in the top 25 at the end of the season. Granted, we don't know what it is going to shake out for this year. Uh, one of those years was last year when they didn't even play a tournament. So two out of 11. Steve Alford, 2 out of 8 with his highest ranking being 15th. Tom Davis, 6 out of 13 with 3 of those coming in his first 3 seasons. And Lute Olsen, 3 out of 9 with a high of 13. Um, Tom Davis, also a high of 6. So, Fran McCaffrey not stepping up in terms of end-of-season play end-of-season rankings, that kind of thing. And when you look at it from a tournament seeding perspective, Fran McCaffrey's highest seed was a 7 seed. Now, granted, they should be able to break that this year, but at this point, I'm not sure. Tom Davis, his highest seed was 4th, and he had that twice. Steve Alford, 3rd. Now, that was also a really bad game when they made the tournament and lost. Lute Olsen, his highest, was 3rd as well, and had two others, 4th and 5th. So, when you look at it, Fran McCaffrey has made the tournament 
at a higher clip than two of those three guys, including Lou Olson, who is a Hall of Fame type of coach, a guy who crushed it at Arizona and won a national championship with Arizona. Fran McCaffrey doing better than that. But from a rankings perspective, they're barely, basically when you look at it, Fran McCaffrey does good enough to get his teams in, but not good enough to take them far, having not advanced past that second round of the NCAA tournament, having not gone to a Sweet 16, not even really basically stumbling into the NCAA tournament. So that's not ideal in my opinion, but can it get better? I honestly don't know. We've seen some great coaches come through. Tom Davis, Steve Alford, for much as he's kind of a crappy person, a decent coach. Lute Olson, uh, a highly regarded coach, and they couldn't get it done at Iowa either for the most part. Now, we've seen some you know, great seasons under Tom Davis, under Lute Olson, but uh, nevertheless, Fran McCaffrey not living up to what we expect from him, but maybe living up to what is kind of the historical norm at Iowa. So to me, that's really interesting. Obviously, we'll be breaking all this down as we continue throughout the season. Iowa gets another chance to to pick things up against Rutgers. Oh, man, that it'll be an interesting pod if Iowa doesn't beat Rutgers uh, tomorrow evening. Hopefully, we don't have to come to that. But ideally, Iowa does take down Rutgers, and we can start talking about what Iowa can do can, to continue to improve, hopefully getting C.J. Frederick back, hopefully getting their shot back, and hopefully showing a bit more on the defensive side of the ball. That does do it for our show today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, make sure to give us that five-star review and subscribe wherever you downloaded this podcast at. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a fantastic Tuesday, Hawkeye Nation, and let's go Hawks.